Welcome to the Meditation Ward. My name is Nadia Ward. I'm really excited to bring you this podcast where I talk to interesting people who also happen to be meditators. We talk about their stories, the way they got into meditation, and any tips or tools they'd like to share with you. Each week, there's a second episode, a guided meditation that we hope you'll enjoy. If you would like to start your own meditation practice, we would love you to check out our course, Exploring Meditation, a seven-week course designed by me, Nadia. Each week, you learn new tips and tools and how to create your own personal meditation practice that works for you. Follow us at The Meditation Ward on Instagram or go to the website, themeditationward.com. Sign up for our emails and check out our courses. And now, on to the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Meditation Ward. I'm Nadia, and today I'm really lucky to get to talk to Lily Goodman. Lily is a yoga teacher, Reiki master, and tarot reader living in Richmond, Virginia. She founded Crystal Chakra Yogi to share these modalities with her clients and to help guide them on their journey to finding peace. She believes that as we each cultivate our own personal peace practices, she simultaneously brings more serenity to the world, inspiring positive global change. Outside of these practices, Lily services others through human rights activism and will be attending law school in the fall of 2024. Thank you, Lily, for being here. Yeah, I just feel so lucky to get to be a part of your journey. Um, Lily isn't just all these things, but she's also been a model since she was a kid. And she also just brings like light with her no matter where she goes and creates community no matter where she goes. Um, And I've been lucky. I think I was the first yoga studio that you taught at and um, just seeing you like grow and thrive and create what you've created um, in every realm that you're in is just so incredible. I think you're thank amazing. You. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, let's tell me a little bit about who you are. Like um, kind of let's start with what brought you into this kind of work. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had practiced yoga um since I was in middle school, my mom would take me to classes and, um, it was definitely more fitness based when I started. And I think that's how a lot of people start, um, and how it's presented in the West. Sometimes, at least during that time period, it was definitely more fitness based. So it wasn't until about midway through college, I was going through some personal struggles and, um, you know, just learning more about how to calm down, ease my own anxieties, that I delved into the world of yoga, which includes meditation um, in my practice. And so uh, the physical asana, as well as the meditation and, you know, the breath work, pranayama, those all really created big shifts in my own wellness journey and my own trauma healing journey. And I ended up wanting to, you know, help others because it made such a big shift in my life that I figured, wow, if this could make such an impact for me, and if I could help just one person make this impact in their own life, I would feel like, you know, my, I've accomplished something in this lifetime. So yeah, yeah, that's my, my goal. 
Yeah, that's incredible. Um, it's pretty wild that you were able to do all this work because I know you graduated with a bachelor's and a master's and now are planning on going to law school. So the fact that you were able to, one, heal as much as you did from trauma and then also be able to also learn how to be a teacher is really wild. Thank you. I think that without, um, you know, I took a year and now it'll be coming up on two years off from school. So I'll go to law school two years after I graduated. Um, and I think that time period has been really vital in, you know, kind of refilling my own cup and learning how to balance uh, you know, the, the modalities of our yin side where we slow down and, you know, become more connected with ourselves and more inward with something that's high paced and fast, like law school, that's very yang, you know, get, giving myself that time to really focus on slowing down, engaging in more yogic practices has made me feel like I can enter back into school with a fresh mindset and a lot more healthy boundaries and healthy um, just routines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something that we I forgot to mention in the bio is your journal that you just put out creating change. Lily put out this incredible journal for um, holistic transformation where she's got um, a ton of pages with an affirmation with how did I work towards my goals today? How did I exercise my body today? How did I exercise my mind today? What am I grateful for? What actions did I take to stay grounded today and today's mood? So that's a lot of um, just thoughtfulness that you put into this journal. Um, how did this come about? Like you're already like creating so much. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, so my theme for this summer was self-discipline and um, approaching that with that mindset that I had just kind of been talking about of finding the balance, right? So not just being like, go, 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 do, 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 but also being mindful of like, where can I put in more energy? And I'm maybe the voices that, you know, the little voices in our head sometimes say, you don't have it in you to do more. Or sometimes where am I putting in too much energy and I actually need to take a rest. So really being mindful and really hearing within what's going on, where can I do more? Where can I back off a bit and just finding that balance in a really mindful way, not over pushing, not under pushing. So I was applying, I'm applying to law school actually later today. Oh, that's cool. everything. Yeah. Um, and so I, I had to take this big test, the LSAT. I had already taken it a few times and hadn't really performed how I had hoped. So this was my final push and, you know, with my theme of self-discipline, I was going to utilize this journey through the LSAT as a catalyst for my self-discipline work. And this was really interesting um, because I started off really strong and midway through my studying, I actually lost my stepdad. And so you know, that was obviously 
put a halt on studying for a little bit and made me kind of rethink about self-discipline in the face of loss, a really close loss as well. And um, so I ended up getting back on the road to studying. I, I had to make a decision. Did I want to, you know, not do this exam or did I want to keep going? And I decided, you know, I, I would be kind of upset with myself at the end of the day if I didn't keep going and um, I had to weigh whether it was something I could do within, you know, where's my energy and so finding this balance. And so through this whole process that was really challenging, not only with a loss, that's just a challenging thing, but also through this journey of like cultivating self-discipline um, I decided one night I was just up late and I was like, let me make this journal. Like that would be really helpful for me. These specific questions are self-inquiries that I think are really important to be asking ourselves every day. You know, one thing I wanted to make sure through this process that I was getting exercise, that I was taking time to stay grounded, even though I'm still working towards a goal. And so um, that's why I developed these prompts so that we can ask ourselves each day about what are we doing? How are we still working towards a goal, but also making sure the other areas of our life are being maintained. And um, yeah, it's been really helpful to me and I hope that it's helpful to somebody else as well. And that's kind of the journey of its fruition. It, it wasn't, it was kind of random and, but also, I think intentional, maybe I didn't even know that it was coming to fruition when it was, you know? Yeah. So were you using um, these kind of questions that um, before you put the journal out or was it part of putting the journal out? And do you still use uh, this kind of practice daily and journaling daily? Yeah. Journaling is a huge part of my personal peace practices. Um, and it has been for a while. I have a journal in my nightstand that like stays there. And whenever things are feeling like it's feeling a little rough inside, I'll turn to my journal and just like write it all out. Or whenever I need to find an answer to a question that I'm searching for that I can't find outside of myself. I like to do a free writing. So I'll set a timer for like five or 10 minutes. And the first minute or so might, there might not be much that comes up, but then uh, things start to flow. And I think this is a really powerful practice because after the timer's up, you can look back and maybe highlight keywords and, and receive a message from yourself. But, um, you know, I think it's a great practice journaling. And so these specific prompts are something that I had incorporated during my um, my summer self-discipline work. So it was something that I started then. But I think that having them on a page together makes it really helpful. And one of the reasons why I wanted the grounding section is because I do, I meditate every morning. So that's like always going to go in my grounding section. And I think it's important to have 
some sort of grounding practice like meditation to incorporate each day, which is why I thought that was a great section. Yeah. When you talk about like highlighting keywords and just going with the flow, um, are you trying to connect with like higher self or um, just for like wisdom and like clarity and truth, or are you kind of thinking it out? Um, it sounds like a really cool practice. I'm not much of a journaler, but uh, with a timer, that sounds like it's like, oh, because I tell people with meditation, like five minutes. That's awesome. Five minutes is awesome. Like three minutes is awesome. So hearing you say you can journal for five minutes makes me be like, oh, that might not suck so bad because I'm like a yeah. journal hater. Uh, so what it, can you talk a little bit more to that connection and what you're connecting to and what you're receiving? Yeah. Um, so for me, a lot of the time, the practice is either connecting to my higher self or to the, the universe at large, um, looking for any sort of insight or intuition from within. I guess with this practice, it really depends on the intention that you set going into it. And so I'll utilize this practice if, say, I am looking to get some more information about what I should make a decision on. Maybe I have two choices. Then utilize the practice. And you're really trying to free write. So you're not trying to think things out too much. You're just trying to write what comes to mind. And that's why that first minute, there might not be much that comes to mind that's really of much use in the practice, right? It's just might just be like, I'm thinking like, you know, I don't know what to write. But then as you give yourself the space to allow the thoughts to flow just onto the page, more will come up. And so that's why I think it's valuable to set aside that time understanding the first minute might not really yield much. And with the intention behind it, I think you can make this practice into a lot of different things. And so one of the things that I love with this practice for my Reiki clients is if they're having an issue with a chakra, they can ask themselves, what do I need to work towards healing this chakra? And then do the free writing activity and see what comes up. And I think that that's been really useful for a lot of people that even don't have a journaling practice um, and are looking for some chakra healing. Yeah. So your business is Crystal Chakra Yogi. How did you come up with that name? Um, I was at my yoga teacher training and I was like, I don't know what to name my business. I knew I was going to start a business. And, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to incorporate crystals and chakras into my yoga classes. And so it just kind of made sense. And then um, I received my Reiki one training at my teacher training as well. So I knew I was going to advance in that practice to become a practitioner for others. So it just kind of made sense um, since I use crystals and Reiki works with the chakra energy system uh, to align with that. And I just, I just find so much overlap between, you know, the chakra energy system and a lot of different modalities. I keep starting to explore like even more into traditional Chinese medicine and um, 
so it's just interesting in how the different points connect to physical parts of the body. So even with anatomy, there's so much that you can explore with the system. So I wanted that to be in my name. Yeah. Uh, the chakra system is um, interesting. I'd like to just touch on it a bit because I know a lot of people that are even into meditation and this kind of work don't really know much about chakras. And um, as much as I understand, they're just energy um, centers within the body. And there's mainly seven, but you have a lot of other ones as well in the body, but those are the main ones. And um, kind of letting them be in balance and flow freely helps us like find balance and health within our lives. Um, do you have some stuff to like add about them and how they work? And yeah. 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 No, it's super interesting. Um, there's so many ways to work with the chakras and Reiki is one modality, but also through meditation. I love to do visualization meditations where we're inviting each color. And so each of the seven within the body corresponds to a different color in the rainbow. And so you can invite the colors in and you could work with those colors, maybe wear that color, eat a food that that's, that is that color for that chakra for healing purposes. And so I think it's so cool how there's so many different modalities you can use um, essential oils, there's different yoga poses that correspond with different chakras and um, all sorts of different ways to incorporate chakra healing, which I think is important because everyone likes different things and everyone finds some sort of alignment with different, um, different modalities. And so because there's so many ways to work with the chakras, it's not just like you have to meditate for X amount to, you know, work on it, or you have to do this yoga pose. Like you could not even be into any of that and be able to eat the, the root vegetable to help with your root chakra or um, engage in certain activities to help with other chakras, drink water for the crown. Like there's so many methods that I think it makes it really accessible to everyone. Yeah. And there's the different chakras, like um, they move, you said the rainbow, but it helps me because Roy G. Biv, they start with the R and end with the V. So it like helps mm -hmm. you remember which one in order. And also each of them, like kind of, you can um, think of your heart of being like an open heart or your throat. If you're having a hard time speaking your truth or self-worth with your solar plexus and yeah, creativity. I think it's like pretty neat how they are connected. Oh and yeah. Then you use um, crystals as well. It's it's like funny because my journey started much later than your journey, and there was a part of my life where I was like, okay, I get some of this, I don't get some of this, but I draw the line at rocks. <laughs> like this goes too far. And like, now I have a whole table over here of like <laughs> sound bowls and crystals. How are crystals powerful? I know like they come from the earth and that's part of it. Um, but yeah, how are they powerful and how do you use them in a healing modality? Oh yeah. I love working with crystals. So crystals all have energy and they come from the earth. And so when we're 
when I'm transmitting Reiki to a client, um, it's nice to be able to have a crystal. I think of it kind of as like an amplifier of this energy and of the intention too. So a lot of work with crystals can utilize intention. You can hold your crystal and kind of set an intention that's around the properties it holds. Each crystal has different properties that align with that crystal. Um, like citrine's great for in bringing in prosperity. It also connects with the solar plexus. Because um, the color. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also in terms of self-confidence, when you're feeling confident about yourself, then you're able to align with that energy wavelength of abundance. And um, like rose quartz with the heart, even though green is also the color of the heart, the inner, um, the inner chakra for the heart chakra is pink too. So um, aligning with that, you can use rose quartz for the heart and works a lot with self-love, but also romantic love as well. And yeah, and so if I have a client, I'll maybe get them to hold on to a crystal or two for grounding purposes or place a crystal on uh, any of the energy points if I'm seeing that needs some extra attention. Yeah. I think that crystals are also so cool because it's pretty magical how like the earth and like compression can create something like so crazy beautiful. Yeah. It's like that just happens naturally and it's so beautiful. <laughs> like yeah. that, that's the planet that we live on. For sure. I think like they are so beautiful for a reason. You know, if they weren't so beautiful, would we be attracted to them? And I think that speaks to there being more purpose to them. You know, everything in my belief, everything on this earth kind of comes to fruition for a reason and so I don't think it's a coincidence that crystals are beautiful <laughs> yeah yeah I've seen a couple videos um where you know they'll put um I'm not exactly sure of the device's name but it reads energy and so if you put it on like a plastic bottle it's not going to read anything because there's no energy there but if you put it on a crystal then there's energy within the crystal. And I think that that speaks to you know, the fact that it has energy and it's been proven by science. And I think a lot of people that you know, maybe weren't super into crystals or believing of um, their energetic properties are now coming into that belief because of the different scientific methods we have to kind of test and prove these methods yeah it's really cool um i'm gonna hop around and hop back to uh, self-discipline and you don't hear people talk about self-discipline because everyone talks about self-care and self-discipline people think of self-care as usually like taking a shower, taking a bath, like doing your hair, having time for yourself to heal, but also self-care is doing the hard work on yourself. Um, so it's really like 
cool to hear you talk about self-discipline. And then I also like talking about noticing when it's time to take a break and when it's time to, to work and push ourselves. And I think there's a pretty fine line where it gets confusing. Like, am I tired right now and I need to take a break or is my brain kind of like telling me a story so I don't have to do this work. And it's like finding that balance of really figuring it out. It's like, do I really need a break or am I just like, or do I need to be pushed right now? And then honoring which one it truly is. And I think that's a little bit of a funky, funky like area right in the middle of that. A hundred percent. Back to the first thing you had mentioned, I had on my my book that I was um, writing all of my LSAT practice in, self-discipline is the highest form of self-love. And so that's kind of also one of the quotes that inspired this whole journey of mine. But yeah, I think that 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 line is really fine. And it takes a lot to be able to discern the two. And um, I think for me personally, doing more yoga and meditation helped me get to a point where I was embodied enough to be able to feel, you know, what what's a real um, moment where I need to take a break or when am I just uh, limiting myself with my own my own thoughts. Yeah. Um, I think these stories that we have in our head too, of like the story I've been telling myself that like, I don't want to do this work or, um, yeah, I can't do this. So I'm just not going to. And those past stories are the past. It's not the present and trying to make that shift. Yeah. I think one thing that helped me through my journey is Um, setting a goal that's reasonable for each day and say it's a hard day maybe breaking up that goal into chunks throughout the day or maybe it's a really hard day and you know you can only do half of the goal or maybe you can only do five minutes but like try to do something because once you get into it sometimes you can keep going and you realize, okay, that was just me saying no to myself inside. Or maybe it's like, okay, I really don't have it in me today. Yeah. And And I think trying to do something is always helpful in allowing you to physically see where am I capable of putting in more? Yeah. And it makes sense that keeping a journal in that case is helpful because you can't really figure those things out unless you're like kind of reflecting. Yeah. It's like, cause then you just kind of forgot what happened yesterday or a few days ago. But if you're really reflecting, then you can start to see patterns or differences and when it helps to push and when it helps that you took your break and when it didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. Like um, for a concrete example earlier this week, I had, a day where I was, you know, I could have given a lot more, but I wasn't feeling it. I was feeling a bit anxious earlier this week about, you know, my impending applications and how much I had to do. And when I get anxious, I know that I tend to procrastinate. 
And so I went to my journal at the end of the night, having had a day of procrastination and just noticed it. I didn't judge it. I wrote down, you know, yes, I, I would have liked to have done a little bit more today, but I didn't. And that's how it, that's how the day unfolded. And I think noticing that and taking a moment to reflect, but not judge allowed me on the next day to really get the wheels turning and, you know, um, do what I needed to do. So that, that had really a good impact on me. And that's why I think these prompts, at least for me personally, have proved to be really helpful. Yeah. I used to use this habit tracker and it had like super basic things on it, like make the bed, drink a glass of water and like, you know, brush your teeth, like things that I could check off easily. And it wasn't until like all of those things, maybe one extra thing um, became like daily checkoffs that I would add another thing. And it was like, you'd only add once you have everything in check and knowing that there's going to be days where you got to come back to the baseline. But um, I think that was a really helpful practice for me as well. Yeah. Kind of like the tiny habits, just adding on just some one little thing. Yeah. A big difference over time. For sure. I, I am super obsessed with habit learning. I like <laughs> read a bunch of books about uh, habit formation and just the science behind it, because I think it's really interesting. And uh, that's kind of why I wanted to create this journal as well. And because of all that work with habits I've been doing in my own personal life. Yeah. Um, how do you think that like excitement about habit building showed up for you? Um, well, I started reading Atomic Habits. That was the first habit book that I read. And that really just made everything click I had been working on habit formation and as a child of a divorce my parents got divorced when I was five and I would jump from house to house it was hard to make habits and although like I had a great childhood and you know my parents did absolutely everything they could to give me the best childhood it is a little bit of a shift when you're jumping back and forth from house to house, it's hard to really develop a routine. And so as I became older and was living in one location, it made it easier to start to see, okay, wow, I don't really have a lot of experience with developing firm habits that would really help me to kind of automate the things in my life that can be automated so that I can really uh, focus my energy on things that I can't just make into a quick little habit Yeah, um, that take more time and focus to um, do. And so that's when I started to work on habits and yeah, it really helped me with school and also just feeling better about in my life. Like <laughs> yeah. when I made the things that used to be struggles to do, then um, I end up having more space to, to welcome in new things that may be challenging, but rewarding. Yeah. 
you're inspiring me so much right now. <laughs> I've never been someone that has like much of a routine, especially because like I work for myself and um, now I don't even live in the same city as my business. So it's like kind of cool to maybe be a little bit inspired about, I think I would thrive a little bit more with more routine. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it needs to ebb and flow too, because that's another problem that I've encountered in this journey of habit formation is, you know, my tendency for perfectionism and um, noticing when the routine needs to stray a bit. And so finding that balance, which is, I think, a lifelong journey. There's always, you know, times where you're going to sway too far to one side or the other. And there's times where you need to sway too far to one side or the other. Um, but I find that's yeah, a that's space of learning too. It's like when I have um, coaching clients that like kind of let everything go, then it reminds them of how important those practices were to their, to their lives. And so they have more of appreciation for it because they started them, then they let them go. And then they're like, man, those things really served me. You can't always see that until you kind of plummet out of it sometimes. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, something I also wanted to ask you, cause I'm at the upper part of millennial and I think you're kind of at the lower part of millennial and Z Gen Z. Is that your generation? And I don't know yeah. if you, um, have can notice this or not because your experience with your age is your age and mine is mine um but like you mentioned earlier when you were doing yoga when you were younger it was more of a workout and then kind of the spiritual practice came later and um for me the spiritual practice didn't show up until you know my late 20s almost 30 and when i talk to younger people especially like younger yoga students i feel like I'm a little jealous because I feel like they're so ahead of the game and they're connected to like their source or their purpose um, or their hopes and dreams like a little bit younger. And I don't know if you like know that or if you notice that about the people that are around you. Um, yeah, you might not know because that is who you are. <laughs> No, I definitely think it's a shift that like we've all as a collective been coming more into. It just so happens that, you know, we're at this age when the collective's coming into it, I think. Um, and so I feel like I've seen people of all ages really coming into their more spiritual side and realizing, okay, you know, I don't have to follow this specific religion to or I don't have to do X, Y, and Z to be a good person, you know, and just coming into all of these um, awarenesses about, you know, what spirituality is. And um, yeah, I think that people of all ages have been coming into it and it's just kind of more so happening now. And because more people are coming into it, it's like compounding like, you know, one person influences 10 and then that person, those 10 influence 10 more. And we're just all finding this kind of wave of, of spirituality in this period of time, which I think is beautiful. And it provides 
a lot of resources for a lot of people to either get involved if they're not already or deepen. And yeah, I just think maybe it's just the time period now. Yeah. I think that's a very good answer, Lily, (laughs) because yeah, it's less of just people of that age finding it and more of you were born when you were born and I was born, I was born. And right now things are shifting. So for me, it was in my late twenties and for you, it was in your early twenties or like, you know, so that kind of is a really good perspective on on that yeah it always does make me jealous though I'm like I wish I had that when I was that age but then I wouldn't be who I am now you know so um and I love how you talked about like the ripple effect and that's something that I notice um with my practices and people around me too just start to kind of see or notice them without you pushing it and um you were talking or like in your bio, we talked about your positive global change. And I think that's like, so cool. (laughs) How do you see like kind of maybe your effect and how you can make that effect? Or is it what you just said or both? (laughs) I mean, I think that, and I think that having a spiritual practice is super important but it's also different from having your personal peace practice and so when we're each working on ourselves in a way where we can show up as the best version of ourselves then we're cultivating an environment around us where you know we're coming into the world with more light we're maybe smiling at the stranger that we pass on the street we're inviting more positivity into the world And I think this change is so important because when we show up in this positive light, then we invite others to do the same. And we kind of set the example for others to do the same and maybe even give them the permission that they didn't know they needed to do the same and look at the world in a more positive way. Because we can look at things from a half glass empty or a half glass full perspective in any situation. it's harder in some situations, but it's not impossible. And so I think when we each really do our own due diligence on ourselves and work on cultivating inner peace, then we inherently invite others to do the same. And from that, we're all working towards a greater collective of peace. Yeah. Have you noticed when you show up to something um, differently, like a low energy or kind of having a hard day versus like showing up from a place of peace? Do you notice people reacting to you differently? Yeah, I definitely feel like there's a difference. Um, I've been doing a conscious effort lately to smile at strangers when I pass them on the street instead of just like you know, nothing or like looking away, (laughs) Um, which I feel like most people do because it's like, you don't know them. Um, So why would you? But I think that it's cool. And I've noticed that when I'm conscious with the practice that other people are smiling back and then it fills me with joy to see somebody else smile. And I would hope maybe it fills them with a little joy to have received a smile. Um, 
and you know just to be in that positive light you never know what somebody else is going through and so why not just try to be the best version of yourself even if there's not really a specific reason or you're not going to like get something out of it just just to be that way just to show up as that way for yourself and for others yeah I heard this a long time ago but and I don't know the science behind it but that if you're if you let somebody in front of you in traffic or like in a line in traffic they're more likely to let somebody else in as well um yeah which kind of puts you two cars behind, which might suck if you're at a stoplight. <laughs> um, but it sounds like that kind of theory works with the smile too, and that they might be more likely to pass that on and create that change that you're talking about. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of, I think we're all inherently good within and we just, you know, maybe it's been hidden behind somebody else being mean to us, right? So the more that we're kind to others, the more we open others to um, allowing kindness to be the main, the main force driving them. Yeah. Yeah. And I also heard that um, one negative comment to a child takes a hundred positive comments to kind of balance out that negative comment um, because of the little traumas and the little like things that it does to their brain or ours when somebody says something negative to us, like about who we are, it takes a lot to make that, to make that change and not believe that that's the truth. Yeah. So it yeah, really does I, matter what you say to people. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because um, there's a lot of studies lately on like water and if you um, say negative things to the water, then if you look at the crystals that are frozen, they're all like ugly and not, they're, they become dark. But then if you say positive things to the water and then you see the crystals that have frozen, it's like these beautiful um, formations in the crystal of the water, frozen ice block. And the same with plants. Like if you say something negative to this one plant and then a positive remark to the same seeds that were planted at the same time, they grow so much differently. And with rice, I've seen all of those recently. With it's rice? It's just so interesting. Yeah, it's like the rice turns like really gross. And if you have negative comments versus the other one remaining like white rice. Yeah. I haven't heard about the rice one, but the hidden messages of water is a, such a beautiful book because it has like microscopic views of the water, um, mm -hmm. crystals, crystals back to crystals. Yeah. <laughs> Connection. Um, so hilariously enough, I usually forget to talk to people about their meditation practice, even though we're on a show called the meditation ward. So <laughs> I'd like to take a second to talk about your meditation practice, maybe what it was and what it's turned into today, and then some tools for people that might be new to meditation or are coming back to meditation uh, that you think is just a tool or tip that's like, like a small, a small habit that might help them or a way of looking at it. Yeah, um, I guess 
prior to I would say maybe like 2019 I did not really meditate um I mean I would meditate like at the beginning of a yoga class if there was like a guided they don't even call it meditation so I may have even been turned off from it if it was called meditation yeah like just the breathing and connecting with your breath and at the beginning yeah. of the class it was just so challenging. And I think at that time too, like I didn't really want to be connected with myself. Like there was a lot to work through to get to a point where I felt like I I felt comfortable, not even comfortable, but even just, you know, able to sit with myself because, you know, sometimes meditation can not be comfortable, but that's not the point, you know, like we worked through that discomfort, but at that point, like there wasn't even an opportunity to work through it. I just didn't want to do it. Right. Yeah. That's really um, insightful. Yeah. And so then my mom actually introduced me to this app called insight timer. And I like love insight timer. Did you I know still, I'm on there? I have meditations yeah. on there. Yeah. We got to get you on there. Yeah. I've listened to a few of yours. I'm actually, I have one on there that's pending. Oh yeah. Cool. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. It takes like a week. It's kind of annoying. It's like, what is it coming out? Oh, I can't wait to hear your meditation. <laughs> Thank you. Well, so your but mom, yeah. sorry, I interrupted your mom turned you on to insight timer, which everyone it's a free meditation app. You don't have to pay for it. So it's like really, you can tip if you want, or you can pay to support them, but you don't have to. So it's a really great tool for beginning meditators and yeah, just people that don't can't pay for it right now. Yeah. And so I think my mom had learned about it. She went to a program at the Chopra Center. And so she learned all about like the benefits of meditation and everything. And so she's trying to pass it along to me or just let me know about it. So I think I was just thinking back to this like two nights ago, but she played a meditation for me and my sister and we um, just laid down and like listened to it. And it was it was a really nice experience. It was guided. So I, I feel like that felt more doable as well. Um, so I started to dabble a bit. I wasn't really consistent. I would just listen to one or two if I was having a bad day or utilize their, um, the sound bowls for when I went to sleep on the app and just kind of like go to the app some, uh, which helped me. But then I, I, I guess I was talking to my therapist and she had really recommended doing more mindful practices. Um, and so I got more into meditation through that. Um, what do you mean mindfulness practices? Like just sitting and grounding and, you know, she considered meditation as one of the mindfulness practices, but I think, you know, you could consider yoga or like mindful eating um as mindfulness practices where you just take a bite and then you set the fork or spoon down feel the flavors and then do the next one um so stuff like that i had gotten more into um i really didn't develop a super consistent meditation practice until i did my teacher training um I had gotten more consistent prior to it, but I didn't start being consistent with it until after. And now I have a goal of 
you know, and I like to do smart goals. So small attainable goals, um, and measurable. Yeah. There's, there's a whole thing to it. Yeah. You can get up online, but smart goals. Um, so I set a goal of five minutes meditation every morning. If I can do more, that's great. If it's a bad day and all I can do is sit through that five minutes and not really be in the meditation mode, but, but, um, just be there. It's five minutes. I just do it. And I think that it's really impactful. And there's a lot of days where I do more than that. Um, but having that small goal so that I know it's something I can do makes me come back to it every day and build that consistency that I think really takes your practice to the next level and takes the benefits that you receive to the next level. And I think one thing that really helps with being able to get to that point was on Insight Timer, they have a beginner medication, meditation, like I think an eight day course, it's like 15 minute a day, and it was free. And um, that kind of explained that, you know, you don't have to have no thoughts when you're meditating. <laughs> you just have, have to have the practice of maybe noticing when the thoughts are coming up and invading the practice and then allowing them to float away. And usually, usually I use the visualization of a pond or a river that they're floating the, the thoughts on a leaf and it's floating away. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. I love that. And then for people, yeah, for people that are new, you recommend the same thing to sit for five minutes. And um, even when it isn't good, because people think like having a good meditation means to have more spaces of quiet, but sometimes you learn more and have in a, in a better meditation because your brain is busy and you are able to sit with it and see it. So that can be good. So there's no good or bad, but it's just showing up for it and seeing what it is that day and getting to know yourself. Yeah. And it's like when we start out a new sport, like we're not going to be in the Olympics right away. It takes a lot of practice. And so having that understanding like you would for something that's more physical, I guess, like a sport, I feel like that maybe is easier to comprehend. Um, you, you show up and you do your best and then you show up for the next practice and then eventually after a lot of practice it becomes a lot more easy to get to that state of you know can I push the thoughts away but maybe not some days there might be an off day and you know Olympians even have off days too and so having that sort of mindfulness and acceptance for how you show up in your practice is really key yeah also something that I love is the growth mindset and it sounds like that's a good mindset to come into it because it's about learning and growing. And it, you know, it's not like I can't do this. I'm done. It's about exploring and being contemplative about showing up for yourself. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, 
this has been awesome. <laughs> really, this has been just so lovely. Such a great conversation. Um, so uh, the next episode, you're going to be leading a meditation. Um, what what kind of meditation are you going to lead us in? Yeah, so this is kind of like the opening I do, um, a variation of it for a lot of my yoga classes that are more restorative. Um, because I think it's it helps us to kind of ground when we are getting into a practice. And I also like to lead myself through this type of meditation. Um, and we'll be doing some breath work and visualization in the practice. And I will be um, giving some Reiki, Reiki energy uh, during the practice, which, you know, no matter what time or space you're listening to this in Reiki transcends time and space. It's a healing energy. And um, so it'll be present with you, which I think is really helpful for beginners that are coming to different practices that involve us needing to get out of our fight or flight and back into our rest and digest. Yeah. And then um, we're going to have all your social links and a link probably to your journal and the show notes, but for people that are more um, like audible learners um, and just want to go straight to your stuff from here, do you have like websites or Instagram that you'd like to, to say to people? Yeah, my website and my Instagram are both Crystal Chakra Yogi. So that's C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-H-R-A. Oh, now I can't spell. <laughs> C-H-A-K-R-A. A-R-A and then Y-O-G-I. Crystal Chakra Yogi. Um, so maybe, hopefully you can spell it. <laughs> but yeah, don't be in the show notes if you can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, this has been incredible. Um, obviously, keep in touch with us as you grow and continue to change and offer more and more and more. Uh, so I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me on. Yeah. Uh, see you in the next one. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you stick around for the meditation on the next episode. If you're interested in wellness coaching through a meditative lens or starting your own meditation practice with accountability, check out TheMeditationWard.com. Give us a follow on Instagram at the Meditation Ward, and please like, review us, and share with your friends. See you soon.